Pastor Dave and Faye published the stories book. Now, many of you would have seen this book around the, the building. Many of you would have taken the book home to give to your family and your friends, maybe to use as a tool for evangelism. Um, but as, as for us as our connect group, we actually used it and broke down the stories that were in there, written by our friends and our family here at King's. And this book has been an incredible tool for us as we have met together and we've talked about the, the, the difficult times that our friends have gone through, but how God has remained faithful to them and dependable and they're in the dark times. And so, you know, I encourage you, take a book home if you haven't. Give it to your neighbours, give it to your friends. Use it yourself, use it in your connect. And, um, you know, you will be blessed, I can assure you of that. Now this morning, I want to just encourage you all that even though there was a a number chosen to to, uh, submit their story, that every single one of us here today... Every single one has a story to tell, a unique and individual and an incredible story. You might not think it, but you have. Um, but my, my question or my thing that I'd like us to think about this morning is how well do you tell your story? How well do you tell it? Now, we live in a world of social media, don't we, where people are, oh, they're more than happy to tell a story. You know, where they, I mean, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I see those posts go up, and, you know, they they tell of how they have this amazing life, they have the best partner, they have an incredible social life, they have the best kids, the best dog, the best cat in the neighborhood, they just put it out there, whatever, you know, and they're just happy to tell you um, it all and you know what makes me laugh is the selfies I have to be honest with you we were away in September uh, Dale and myself and we had to go with this selfie thing but rubbish we were rubbish (laughs) but some really have the knack don't they I mean they're able to take these you know perfect selfies and you know just portray this look of perfection and they use the filters I don't know whether you know that but some phones actually put the filters on I mean I should get one of those I think but you know where they smooth out the lines wouldn't that be great ladies smooth out the lines but you know although they put this look of perfection just sometimes it just feels a little bit unreal doesn't it you know when we're looking on it's so easy to get drawn and misled by the gloss um, that coats a story and you know the truth is that what those people are actually sharing with you are just selected highlights um, of their story. They're just telling you the bits that they want you to know about. And usually it really is just half a story. Now don't get me wrong, sharing a story, our story, is so important. And I said in our Connect group we do that often. We love our Connect group and we are in an environment which is safe and um, where we just like love to hear each other's story and as that that story develops. It is really important that we do um, share our story and in that, you know, what we're doing is actually allowing people to come a little closer. You know, take a closer look of who we really are. And that will include, yes, the highs and the lows. It will include the, uh, the, our strengths and our weaknesses, our hashtag happy days, and our not-so-happy days, you know. But I personally believe, having come through some difficult times, I personally believe that to help others, to be, uh, to be relative to others, is to be authentic and to drop the glossy image and just remove the filter and be real. Be real with each other. Now, no matter what walk of life we're from, there will be chapters written into our story that will be difficult to share. See, no one gets through life unscathed, and it may take courage to open up and to share stories and to share how previous chapters have left a mark on you. But that's okay, you know. Telling a story may cause us to feel vulnerable, right? like I do right now. <laughs> vulnerable because you're opening yourself up and you, know, you kind of feel a bit exposed. And you think, 
how will people react, you know? How will people react to uh, the chapters that, you know, you prefer to be edited out of your story? You wish they weren't there. You wish you could tear those pages away, but they're written into your story. There are chapters that will cause tears to run down your cheeks as you remember the dark place and the challenges and the difficulties that life took you to and how they exposed your weaknesses and your failings. Yes, yeah, Shane, our story will take courage. And you know the thing is with God is that the, the chapters that you resent or that you regret and the ones that you wish you could tear out your book are the ones that God will choose to use to reach out to other people. You see, there are other people who are having a similar narrative written into their book right now, and they need to know what your story, how your story unfolded. And so God will always or tend to use our weaknesses over our strengths. So today I'm going to share with you some of my story. I hope you don't mind. It's going to be a bit different. Um, But, you know, these are chapters that I'm going to share with you that I'm quite out I would have wanted them written in my life. But, you know, this morning I'm believing that God will just use these simple words to reach out to someone who's going through similar times to what I went through. And I want you to be reassured this morning that your story isn't finished yet. You know, there are pages and chapters of your life that are still to be written. And regardless how you feel right now or what people are telling you, that your story isn't over until the author says it's over, until he puts down his pen and says it's over. Well, most stories, when I was little, started with Once Upon a Time. But my story this morning will start with Psalm 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Isn't that an incredible scripture? That our author, the, the person who writes our life, he has a plan. He knew it before it began. He knows it now in our present, and he knows how it ends. And I take great courage in that scripture. So I was raised in a Christian family, a family that loved God, who believed in the power of prayer. Church life was a huge part of my upbringing. And, you know, we attended whenever the doors were open back then. It was like three times Sunday, midweek meetings, kids, whatever. If you, the doors were open, you were there. And I guess on the outside, our family would have looked like a good Christian family, but... You know, things were difficult at home. Things were tough. And, um, you know, there were certainly chapters written back there that I prefer not to to flick back through. You know, I just kind of leave those chapters there. Um, But, you know, nothing is wasted with God. And and I believe that during that, that early stage of my life, during those difficult times, that a foundation went down in my life, that a foundation of knowing and trusting God at a really young age. I remember my Sunday school days, it was Sunday school back then, and um, I invited Jesus into my heart, probably, I was four years of age, just sat in a little classroom on a little wooden chair, you know, completely understanding that Jesus died for me, that he loved me. And it was at that point that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, acknowledge that that person who died, who laid down his life, you know, at that age, that's who I wanted to follow. And I loved the Bible stories. I loved how they just came alive. You know, we didn't have media presentation back then, you know, in the Days of the art. It wasn't, it, we had felt boards. Does anybody remember felt boards? But I loved you just place those little felt people on the board, you know, to help the story uh, unfold. I just loved, I loved being in Sunday school and just being a part of that. And those stories that we were told have stayed with me all my life, you know, accounts of people who, um, you know, loved God, who made mistakes who, you know, wasn't perfect, but yet still God used them in a really powerful way, and they went on to achieve incredible things for him. 
And so as a teenager then, we moved church and I went to Pontefrith um, Church. Some of you may have known Pontefrith Church there up in the valley. And um, it was here that I developed a really deep love for God um, from that age, you know, from my teenage uh, years. I was encouraged to serve local church. I love local church. And we were just you know, just be part of the heart of the church. As a youth group, we would clean, we would, we would just teach in the Sunday school. We were encouraged to develop and grow. And in all that, I guess my thing was always the youth department. I love to serve in the youth. And, you know, I had the best youth pastors that you could wish to have. They were leaders who loved and nurtured us. You know, they taught me how to love others and to forgive others. Sylvia uh, was a, a true example. I was terrified of street evangelism, and I still am, if I'm honest. Um, but she loved the kids so much, she wouldn't care. She, would, she showed me how to evangelize, not by words, but how to do it out there on the streets, loving the kids. They were patient with me when I made mistakes. They corrected me. They cheered me on to be everything that God had intended me to be. And I truly believe I am who I am today because of their involvement in my story. And I honor Sylvia and Adrian Pritchard this morning. They probably won't hear this, but I love them deeply and I honor them because they today still serve in that same local church, serving God, being faithful week after week. So when I was 21, I knew that God was kind of uprooting me from that church and he planted me here at King's. And it was here that I met Dale. And we've been married now 26 years next month. And, yes, it's a miracle. (laughs) We have raised two boys here. Um, Some of you may know Josh. Joshua was was here. Joshua is 23, and he's studying in Bristol and living over there. We see Josh quite often, but, you know, he's a great boy, but... uh, you know, just choosing to live over there at the, at the moment. And, uh, and then we have Nathan. Some of you may know Nathan. Yeah, Nathan's our shy boy. He's, um, he doesn't like a fuss. He just likes to blend into the background. You may, but you may know Nathan. No, we love Nathan. He's 21 and he's studying in Cardiff and still here at King's Church, serving in, in the youth and just making a nuisance of himself, basically. <laughs> Anyway, my roots went down deep into rich soil here, as, as you all have experienced yourself. And I was encouraged right from the beginning and challenged by the leadership then, Pastor Ray, to continue and grow mature, uh, and mature spiritually. And for a number of years, Dale and myself, we were employed by the church, we worked for the church, and um, King's was definitely home from home for us. I mean, if they put a bed, like Pastor Dave would know, if they put a bed somewhere, I would just do us all right, you know. It was just, we just love being here. We love serving the church. I mean, you know, you love the church. You love the people that you serve alongside. And it was great days. They were amazing days. And for sure, they were great chapters written into our story back then. Now, for most times, chapters of our life will transition smoothly and naturally, but sometimes there will be a chapter that just abruptly comes to an end and, you know, doesn't need our permission and doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel kind of secure, but we have to go with that and we have to embrace that new chapter as it's being written. And so... um, Yeah, even though times were tough growing up, I had so much to thank God for because so much good seed has gone into my heart over the years. And one thing that God blessed me with was an amazing mother. I um, had the best mothers. We all do. We all have the best mothers. My mum was selfless. She was generous with the little she had. You know, she was my rock, and I absolutely loved her deeply. 
when I married Dane and I left home, um, not a day would pass that we wouldn't chat on the phone. Often the phone would go and Dale would say, what did your mother want today? Well, nothing really, no, no news, just, just a chat. And that's how, how our relationship was. We just had to have that like catch-up call, you know. I'll never forget the day mum rang me. I was actually working here at the time, but I was on a break. And she'd been to the hospital to, um, for an appointment. And I could sense fear in her voice straight away. And I knew something was very wrong. And I knew this just wasn't going to be um, just a catch-up call. So it turned out what her GP had said for quite some time, nothing to be concerned about, was actually melanoma cancer at an advanced stage. Now, that is a conversation with a loved one that will grip your fear, will grip your heart very tightly. And, you know, I knew that in that moment I needed to be strong. I mean, we'd had so much teaching in this church, so much about healing. And, you know, I knew I could kick into automatic, give her the scriptures, encourage her, you know, and say, look, regardless of the diagnosis, the prognosis, whatever gnosis is being checked at you right now, the fact is this, God is your healer. And that was, that was how, what I declared over her and how, you know, I wanted her to, to hold, I wanted her to hold on to that too. I mean, I absolutely knew God had this covered and I believe with every ounce of faith for a miracle for my mother. But as the months passed, I had to desperately dig deep and and try to ignore the doctor's reports, you know, how they come every day, something new, something different, something, you know, a symptom worsening. Still, I refused. I refused to accept. I mean, I was just waiting on God. This was like his opportunity to show up and, you know, declare to the world, certainly this, my family, of his greatness and his healing power. So I wasn't going to lose my mother, no way to cancer, not when I knew that God was more than able to take this disease away and restore her back to full health. And I just absolutely refused to engage in conversation with anyone, with a doctor, family, until I was told by a family member, it's time to stop now. It's time to stop building up mum's hopes and, you know, keeping on with this thing and accept the fact that her passing is imminent. Well... I remember the morning that my mother fell asleep for the last time. And as she left this world to be with her heavenly father, she was just 58 years of age. She was just eight years older than what I am now. And I stood in that hospital room there in the Royal Gwent, looking out over Cardiff Road. Such a bizarre moment. You know, your world has just absolutely crashed to the ground. And I'm looking out the window and I'm watching the world go on normal. No people, staff arriving for their, their normal day work, patients arriving for their appointments. You know, normality is going on out there and yet there's this bizarre uh, moment going on in this hospital room. And, you know, as I said goodbye that morning to my mother, my best friend, I knew that my life would never be normal again. Now, I'm not the only one here this morning who has uh, experienced great loss because the reality is no one gets to escape loss. Regardless of our belief or our social status, loss will get written into everyone's story at some time. You know, whether it's the death of someone that we love or the end of a marriage, the end of a friendship, a relationship, a diagnosis which causes you to lose your health, that you have enjoyed, you know, the end of a job, the end of a ministry. Loss will bring change to our normal, change to our roles and routines, to our finances, and even a change to our identity. Now, loss leaves us with lots of questions, doesn't it? Why? Why? Why was this allowed to happen? Why me? Why my family? What did I do wrong? Where was God? All these questions, question after question, and it brings turmoil to our mind, and then it affects our thoughts, and doubt comes into our thoughts. Now, looking back, I can see how mixed in with that natural grief. Grief is natural. It's It's a normal, natural process that we have to go through. 
But inside of me was a strong conflict, just stirring within me. And out of all the feelings and emotions that I had tumbling around inside of me, the one that I felt surfacing above the others was complete and utter disappointment. You know, it wasn't just the loss of my mother that was causing this unrelenting pain inside of me. You know, it was disappointment that had struck my heart with such a force that it felt like it had shattered into a million pieces. Yeah, I was disappointed. So I was so disappointed with God, you know, because I believed he was someone that answered me when I called to him, was there with me through it all. I, the one that I trusted with my life and... Now I needed to ask, where was he in all this? And how could he allow this to happen? What about the promises that I had confessed over my mother day and night? I mean, didn't they apply to me now and my family? Little did I know back then that how much my faith and my heart and my mind, oh my mind, was under attack Disappointment had caused me to become vulnerable and open to the enemy's onslaught. So just about a year or so later, still trying to come to terms with the incredible loss, trying to look for a new normal, my dad calls me one morning and says, if, you know, could I meet him at, at the hospital? Now I was working where I am today in the Rogwent. And um, he'd had gone for an x-ray which had identified fluid on his lung, which had caused the lung to collapse, and that needed to come away. So I'm leaving my office, and I'm walking across the corridor, thinking, please, not again. Could, this could not possibly be what my gut feeling was telling me it was, but it actually was. My dad, my big, strong dad, who wasn't afraid of anything or anyone, was now being told he had terminal cancer, um, which is called uh, mesothelioma, which is a disease caused by asbestos, which is what he worked with back in the steelworks. And as I stood at his bedside and I tried to look calm and composed as the doctor uh, was trying to give all this information, I don't know if you understand this, but a silent cry just went up right from the the depth of me, like, God, how could you allow this to happen again? Well, after two years of bravely fighting that cruel disease, my dad, too, went home to be with my mum in heaven, and I have no words because I feel, I just felt completely broken. I was utterly broken, and there was a battle right in the core of me that intensified. There was this ocean of grief that was just swelling up inside of me. And you know, sometimes when you think it's like there and you think you're going to drown in it, it was just, it was just, I can't even explain to you how that grief just kind of swallowed me up. Everything I believed to be true from a little child, everything was being challenged now. And my mind was in turmoil and I was so mad at God. I guess you could say, and you've heard it, heard it said sometimes, you know, I was wrestling with God. I had lost the feeling of being loved and held by him, and nothing just, nothing made sense. Nothing made sense. And I was numb, and life felt empty. And for sure, you know, the, those were the darkest and loneliest days of my life back then. For some time, I had told myself, God's finished with you, because... You know, I'd convinced myself that the death of my parents was a test and I had failed it miserably. So why would God have any use for me? I mean, I was so angry and so faithless. Well, while I was battling these feelings, um, I bumped into Diane Edwards in town, um, Pastor Dave's mum. And if you know Diane, she is so lovely and so encouraging. And I remember Diane looking at me and saying, Alison, God hasn't finished with you yet. And although my response to Diane that day was, I think he has. You know, Diane's words just caused that small spark of life inside of me I hadn't felt for a long time. I mean, was it really possible that God could still want me? And even if he did, how on earth was I going to find my way back to him because I felt so lost and alone. 
You know, loss brought change to our family in a short space of time. Lots of change to our family. And um, not just for me, but for Dale too, and I guess for the boys as well, experiencing loss. We're all trying to work our way as a family through lots of change. And the landscape of life just looks so different, you know. It was barren, it was dry, and it was not pleasant to look out on. And we were both trying to cope the best way that we could and you know, make the best of the changes that had been brought and written into our story. But for sure, they were tough old days back then. Now, a concerned friend of my parents had suggested that we visit a new church that was about to open uh, not far from where we lived at the time. And although I'd said in my heart I never wanted to step inside the church again, I went, and I stood in the worship, but no words would come out, you know, and they just get stuck in your throat a little bit, and, you know, there was just nothing coming out, and I knew that if I'd forced the words, I would probably start to cry and never stop, so, you know, the best thing was, was to just stand there and do nothing, but I felt drawn back to that church the next week, and the weeks after that. And it felt like the pastor who was doing a series at the time was speaking just to me. It was like as if, you know, you hear it sometimes, how, how did he know? Did he read my mail? Did he, did he know exactly, how did he know that what I was going through? His words were just speaking clearly right into my heart. He talked about somebody who had wandered away from God, who had chosen a different path, and thought that it was impossible to get back to where he, you know, you needed to be, but... He talked about how it was possible if I made small adjustments into my life to get back to where I needed to be. You know, that pastor, his words were like medicine to me at that time. They weren't easy to swallow. Most medicines aren't. aren't. But, you know, because my head was still over the place, I was still battling issues, but um, I knew somehow that his words were doing me good something began to change on the inside of me. And I really wanted back what I once had. And so I was determined that I would start to make those small adjustments in my life, just like the pastor was suggesting. And so I started to attend church regularly again. For a while, it was all I could do to sit through a service. And you hear Pastor Dave and Faye encourage you, just keep coming back. Because the words that are spoken over you, whether you know it or not, are doing you good. And so, and that was where I was at. I couldn't contribute to a meeting. I had nothing to give. I was on empty. But I just kept going back, believing that the words were doing me good. I know how to rebuild, you know, that I've been taught enough times that to rebuild a a relationship with God is always a two-way thing. That God will never force himself on us, that... You know, it's a two-way, two-way conversation. And so I knew that I had to start making good choices. I needed to remove the barriers that I had put up and pushed him away. And so I started to communicate again with God. Now, I couldn't get my head around everything that had gone on. And if I'm honest, I probably still can't. But I was sorry I was sorry. I, I just needed, you know, to, for God to know that I was sorry for my attitude. It was so bad back then. You know, for questioning his sovereignty for a start. I mean, who, do, who did I think I was? I mean, God is sovereign, you know, and he knows the future. He knows what, what's good and what's not good and what we need and what we don't need. And yet I question that. How, you know, how dare I take on that, you know? And so I needed God to know how so sorry I was. And that, you know, I felt now that I could start communicating on a, on a regular basis. And so I started to pray. Now, pray is a pretty word, but this was not pretty. This was pretty messy because there was lots of tears. It was just like an iceberg was starting to thaw inside of me. And there was lots of tears and there was much regret. 
But, you know, I had to be honest. That is the first fundamental starting point, isn't it? It's just be honest with God. You know, I, I have a training course coming up in work, and it's called Having an Honest Conversation, you know, with staff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope it's not as messy as this honest conversation because, you know, they would not be impressed with that. Well, I was honest with God. I, was, I told him how I felt about the pain, about the sorrow, about the sadness that was just overwhelming inside of me. And I was reeling all this off to God. And it was just like he gently stopped me and said, I know, I know, I know what you've been through. I was there, you know. And he's seen my struggles. He's seen my failings and my weaknesses. And uh, he allowed me close again. You know, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted and how we need him when our hearts are broken. Now, as I reflected on all of this, you know, took a step back in time to prepare for this, you know, I wondered why. And not why God, but why me? What, why was I so faithless? You know, why did I push God away at that time when really that was the time that I really needed him? Or why did he stick around? You know, would you stick around someone who kept pushing you away, questioning your love for them? And, you know, I really resisted God's love. And as I was thinking about it, you know, I was taken back to when the boys were in a junior school in Rogerstone. And um, the funny boys, my boys were, you know, they, they're so different. And Joshua, absolutely, school was not his thing. But Nathan, Nathan, you couldn't, you know, he was, he was a breeze to get to school in the morning. He was up, you know, in fact, he was chasing you to get ready quicker. Um, and he was either like jumping on the bus or if the bus was late, he'd want to lift to school. Now, please don't think that Nathan is some great academic. The reason why Nathan wanted to get to school is because of his love for football, and he could get on that yard and kick the ball uh, before the bell went. And that was his goal in every morning, was to get on that schoolyard with his mates and kick a ball. But, you know, the one day, I, I, I guess Nathan's having a strop or something, and I'm saying, Nathan, hold my hand, because we needed to cross a busy road to get to the school. No didn't want to hold my hand and I'm like Nathan you will hold my hand because this is dangerous this road is dangerous no I'm not holding your hand and so as any parent would do I grabbed his hand and I held it and we crossed that road and Nathan's like this not holding your hand not holding your hand I'm like no Nathan but I'm holding yours and I think that picture is just just the picture of me back then, you know, I'm saying to God, don't need you, stay away from me, I can't trust you. And all this time I'm going, like this, and yet God all the time was gripping me so tightly. <laughs> and so it, is, it was evident that I needed to heal. And I'm glad what Pastor Dave said this morning about reading God's word because that was my survival thing. That was a huge part of my restoration, if you like. Um, I had to get God's word inside me. Uh, it was just, it wasn't an option. Um, and so what I did, I downloaded an app on my phone and every day I would listen to Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs or Psalms. And I still do today, every day, New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms or Proverbs. But you know, that scripture, scripture every morning is like medicine for me. It's like my medicine. I have to take it. Um, just recently, you perhaps would have known that Dale was admitted into hospital. And um, the scan uh, identified multiple clots on Dale's lung. And... You know, I go up to visit him thinking, oh, you know, it, it, give him some medicine and he'll be home. And then I'm told that they're actually looking at the bloods now for cancer, traces of cancer. And I can't tell you how fear just tried to take a grip again. I'm like, no, I'm going home and I'm taking my medicine. <laughs> because, you know, I'm leaving daily in hospital and I'm going home to take medicine. I need God's word to keep my heart steady. I have to keep God's word inside of me. And so... You know, that, that's been my kind of uh, thing, is, is just getting God's word, bringing healing uh, into my life again. 
And the healing process has been long. It's been longer than what I must have been in a really bad place because it's been a long process. But returning home to King's Church um, nearly five years now has been a big part of that healing process. And, uh, you know, God's been so patient with me, so, so patient. Now, I know I'm not the only one here who has felt the force of grief. I know that. And uh, you've had to deal with pain of loss, too. And, you know, you only have to take a look around your world, you know. There are, the world is filled with people, full of people who are dealing with some kind of loss. Life just hasn't turned out how they expected, and disappointment has struck their hearts. Now, often, disappointment is an, in, is an invisible battle that goes on inside of you. It's an internal battle that has the potential to wreck your soul and cause you to lose heart. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The Good News translation says this, When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. And let me tell you, when your heart is crushed, you will feel pain. You know, if the enemy can isolate us, which is what he's done to me, he can influence us. The enemy wants us to be so consumed with our unmet expectation. For me, it was an answered prayer, or not a prayer that didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. And you know what happens to our hearts? They just get sicker and sicker. And he focuses it on the disappointment, becoming disillusioned with our circumstances, with other people, and even with God. You know, the enemy will use disappointment to create destruction and devastation in our lives. He wants our pain to become intense, that we lose heart and give up. Disappointment will dare us to wrestle with God, shake our fist and raise our voice to him, shout about the unfairness of what's happened. It causes our feelings and our faith to come into conflict with each other, allowing doubt to rise up and we question God's promises to us. But listen, if you read the Bible, if you read the Bible, it's a, it's a book of honest, heartbroken cries. Cries from people who loved God. People who were asking the same questions that we ask God. Dealing with the same pain and loss that we have to deal with. And the disappointment. Who walk through the same dark valleys that we sometimes have to walk through. You know, something that I've learned through all this is that God doesn't expect us to be happy about what's been ripped from our lives. He doesn't. You know, whether it's a marriage or an employment, someone that we love. Look at Jesus' reaction when he hears of Lazarus' death. You know, he took himself off. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. For me, it's the most comforting. Because for me, he wasn't crying about Lazarus. He, wasn't, he knew exactly what, were, what was about to happen. I believe Jesus seen the pain and the sorrow in the family and friends and his heart ached for them. And so that scripture for me brings me lots of comfort, knowing that God has compassion on us. You know, people will say when you lose a loved one, oh, they're in a better place. Of course they are. If they, if they love the Lord and they've gone home to heaven, of course they're in a better place. But that doesn't mean living without them is easy. It's not. You know, you experience wave after wave of sadness. So my advice to you is don't mask it. Don't pretend it's not there. If the condition of your heart is broken, then it's broken. But take comfort in this. If it's broken, you can, you can bet God is close by because of his promise that he is close to the brokenhearted. So in my closing words this morning, I just want to say this. So to anyone out there who is dealing with something similar, who's going through disappointment, please don't give up in the middle of a chapter. You know, where you are right now isn't the end of your story. Your suffering and your struggle won't last forever. But be patient with God. You know, God never rushes us through that process of pain. He comes and he sits with us in those dark nights where there's nobody else around and no one else sees your tears. God will come and sit with you. And he'll take you through that process for as long as it takes. Remember that God has a great plan for you. 
but it may look a little bit different to what you expected it to look like. You may not understand this now, but your tears right now will be a source of life for others. One day you'll tell your story of how you overcame what you're going through right now, and it will become part of somebody else's survival guide. You know, church, your story really needs to be heard. Please don't hide it away. Your story needs to be heard by someone. Tell them, tell the world, tell them, tell them what the enemy meant for evil. God turns around always for good. Use your story to hurt, help hurting people. Let somebody else's story finish differently because of the chapter that you walked in on. I'm just going to pray before I sit down. Father, I thank you so much, so, so much for your love, your unconditional love. When we push you away and say we, you know, we can't have you close to us, Lord, you're just there. You're always there. You're so dependable. You're so good to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that any, if there's anybody here today who's going through a similar time of disappointment, maybe loss, maybe grief, Lord, I pray that you will be close to that person. Wrap your loving arms around them, Lord. Let them know they are held and loved by God. Father, I just pray that you will use my simple words just to bring healing, Lord. Heal, the, heal your people, Lord, I pray. Those that are feeling broken, in Jesus' name, amen. What a wonderful, what a wonderful word. Come on, let's thank Alison. Do you know what? That, that was a word from God. Really was. That was a word from God for many of us, if not all of us, this morning. And I'll tell you why I know, right? One of the reasons why I doubly know that that was a word from God this morning is because Alison opened up with Psalm 139. Was it verse 15? Yeah, verse 15. Verse 16. Verse 16. And um, Mark prophesied that very verse this morning when we were praying for you in the early morning prayer meeting. Little plug for the early morning prayer meeting. It starts at 9.30. Barry heads it up. But Mark prophesied. Am I right, Ba? He prophesied that word this morning, right? It's a word from God for us, right? To encourage us. God sees. I love how Alison described, you know, and used her story. You know, where she talked about some of the chapters. We really, really wish that they weren't being written. And if they have been written, we really wished that they could be removed, you know? And some of the things that Alison so honestly spoke about, about mum and dad, you know, wonderful people. Many of us know, knew Alison's mum and dad, wonderful people rooted in the church. We don't know, you know, why. And, and sometimes that, that word haunts us, doesn't it? It really does. Why has this happened? Why am I going through this? Why is this being written in the wonderful book of my life? But sometimes things happen and we just don't have any answers. But you know, like I said at the beginning, Alison and Dale are people that have weathered the storms. Yes, gone through the disappointments. Yes, had the heartbreaking situations of life that have caused them to cry out to God and even not even know if God cares anymore but have grappled with those challenges and come through the other end to say hey listen my redeemer lives my redeemer lives I want to read to you that just that that psalm that Alison read from those verses that Alison read from from Psalm 139 and Mark, Mark spoke about these this morning before Alison spoke. So this is set up. This is really set up for us today. And, and I think this meeting is, it's like God pouring in the oil and the wine. You know, pouring in the medicine that we need. 
And it doesn't mean to say that the, the wound is going to be instantaneously healed. But it might be just being cleaned today Amen. by the great physician. Amen. It says this, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was being woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. I tell you, God knows about every day. He knows what's happened. He knows what's happened, happening. He knows it's being recorded in his book. We, we would wish that some of the pages, like Alison so wonderfully said, weren't in that book. But no, God is sovereign. And we can't put him into our little box and say, do this, do that, and the other. No, he's sovereign. He sees what's being recorded in his book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. David knew all of that. And David, just like Alison, had an incredible story. He lost a child. He did things that he should never have done. He saw the nation judged by God that had been highly favored. David had a real checkered history and a checkered story. And there were many days in David's life, in the book of his life, many chapters that I'm sure he wished wasn't included in his life history. But knowing all of that, knowing the good times and the bad times, the light times and the dark times, knowing all of the, the mixture of life, David went on to say this. And I believe from what Alison said this morning, she's, she's arrived at this place. Listen to this. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. It's a wonderful place to arrive at. When you go through the high times or when you go through the, light, the, the low times, whether you're going through a dark time or you're going through a great time, it's a wonderful place of security to know how precious are your thoughts to me, oh God. And I'm telling you, in amidst all of the complexities of life, God never ever wants us, any one of us, to lose sight of the fact that His thoughts towards us are precious. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray over you right now before we sing. The musicians are going to come. But today you may be here for the first time or you may have been coming for a number of times. Do you know Jesus loves you very much? He really does. You may never have prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your heart. I'm going to pray right now. And maybe you're going to take a moment for the first time. And you're going to pray this prayer with me. It's going to be a really simple prayer. You're going to be able to repeat it in your heart quietly. And only you are going to know and God. But a miracle is going to begin. Something's going to happen. Jesus is going to come and he's going to walk into your heart. He's not going to demand a place. He's not going to break in like an intruder. No, he patiently knocks at the door of your heart. And if you will, if, if you will, open up the door of your heart, Jesus will step on in over the threshold. And he'll bring peace and he'll bring comfort. He'll bring hope. If you need help, he'll give you that. Forgiveness. He'll bring cleansing. And he'll give you Life, the life that you've been looking for. Quietly right now, still your heart. And if you pray these words with me and you mean it, not because they're my words, but just I'm just helping you. You're going to cry from your heart to him. 
He will come because he loves you so much. His thoughts are so precious about your life. When you say this, Jesus, I want to open my heart for you to come in. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again on the third day. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. I want to have this new life that you've promised. Save me. Be my savior. I want to live for you. I want to walk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer quietly in your heart today, listen, why don't you tell your friend that brought you maybe today? Or you can come and see myself or Faye or chat with one of our our stewards after this service. And like Alison said, like we say every week, listen, if you've made that decision today to ask Jesus simply into your heart, just keep coming back. Keep coming back. Or if you're not from this area, plug into a local church. Maybe we can help you find a local church where you're you're from. But I'm telling you, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer today and meant it, new life, His life has begun in you. Father, we thank you for the word that Alison has brought to us. Oh God, we thank you. Lord, we know that we go through many, many different seasons in life and you lead us through every single one of them. Lord, we thank you for it. And as your people, we stand. Let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to go rejoicing before we leave this place church. Have a wonderful week and let's be a light. Let's shed our story in this next week. God bless you.